Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Greetings, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. I got lots of good feedback for the recent episode with Chris Nicholson, the truck driver and jack-of-all-trades for Champion Wheel and Tire. People seem to enjoy hearing the -the behind-the-scenes details he provided as a supporting player in the nomadic NASCAR circus in which a few thousand people wander around the country each week to put on races. So in that vein, the guest on this episode also is a part of that circus and has a much lower profile than most of the people who have been on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Ryan Hines works in PR and digital and video content for Stuart Haas Racing. He has been around racing for most of his life, and he also has been out as a gay man for many years. In more than 20 years of covering auto racing, I've done many stories on NASCAR's efforts to diversify by becoming more appealing to minorities and women, both as a place to work and as a place to become a fan. With a few exceptions, there haven't been as many stories about those in the LGBTQ community who work in and are fans of NASCAR as well. So when Ryan approached me through an intermediary about wanting to share his story, I certainly was interested in hearing it and asking Ryan about what it's like being an openly gay member of the NASCAR community, how much he's been welcomed, whether NASCAR can do more for inclusion, and how difficult it might be for a high-profile member in NASCAR to come out. Ryan is very articulate and clearly has thought through a lot of these topics, so I appreciated the perspective he brought when we taped this last month at NBC Sports Charlotte. And here's our conversation. Ryan, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nate. I want to talk about why you're here, but before we do that, first I want to talk about what you do and how you got into racing. Yeah, so this year I am the coordinator of Xfinity brand content at Stuart Haas. Uh, My day-to-day job is really coordinating Chase Briscoe's schedule. Um, So I try to travel the track every week and, you know, help him out with any media needs and kind of getting him everywhere he needs to go. I'm just kind of managing his schedule. And then uh, throughout the week, I'm also in charge of some video content and the podcast that Stuart Haas puts together. And really just kind of a wide variety of everything, which is why I enjoy what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm able to travel to the racetrack and do the PR side of things, but also still get to do video and content. And that's kind of what my background was in. Um, so, you know, before being like, coming to Stuart Haas this year, I was at Hendrick Motorsports for a year and uh, did video production there. And so I just was kind of able to take that video production background and add on PR to it and then 
that's what I'm doing now at Stuart Haas, and I absolutely love it. PR seems to be kind of evolving from traditional just written content to more of a digital look, and I, I think that that's what I'm able to bring is kind of that digital look to it. Where are you from, and how did you get involved in racing? Yeah, so I'm originally from a really small town in Ohio called Pleasant Hill, uh, maybe about a thousand people. You know, I graduated with 42 kids in my graduating class. Pleasant Hill is about 30 minutes away from Eldora Speedway, which you know most people probably have heard of at some point. Uh, I worked there all through high school, and then all four years of college, I would drive back on the weekends because I went to school at Ohio State. Uh, I was there you know the last four years um, before I took the job at Hendrick last year. Yeah, you know, I graduated high school 2014, went to Ohio State, uh, double majored in marketing and sport industry, and uh, right out of college, you know, moved down to North Carolina with, for the internship at Hendrick. Uh, so that started. I graduated May 6th from Ohio State and started at Hendrick May 14th. So you know, I had about a week to <laughs> gather up all my stuff and get to North Carolina and haven't looked back since. Yeah. And did you g- grow up like as a dirt track fan in Ohio? Yeah. So yeah. my cousin races non-wing sprint cars. So I kind of always traveled around with him around Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania area, and uh, really have just always been involved in racing because of him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Eldora being so close. You know, I was at Eldora when I was six months old, and pretty much every weekend I was at a track, whether it was with my cousin racing or just my family going to watch. And, you know, it's, there's really no place I'd rather be than a racetrack. So the reason we've got you on the podcast today, Ryan, is because you are a gay man working in NASCAR. What is your perspective on being a gay man working in NASCAR? You know, it, it's actually, it's not as scary or as you know crazy as it may seem, I think, NASCAR really gets kind of a a generalized or a, a stereotypical outlook of that. You know, it's very homophobic and hyper-masculine and that there's really not any room for, for people who are gay to be in it. And from my experience, it's really a, a great community. You know, I've, everyone I've ever told, everyone I work with, has been nothing but great. You know, I've I've met nothing but, but love and respect from, from everyone that I've came across so far within the sport. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because growing up, I never really thought that I could be gay and work in NASCAR or race in NASCAR or anything like that. And I feel like a lot of people who may be gay and have aspirations of working in NASCAR or or being a driver or, you know, whatever that may be, I think probably have that same mindset that I had as a kid growing up. And so I think it's important that, that there are people within the sport who are kind of role models for those people, so to speak, like being like an example for those people like, Hey, you know, this, this guy's gay. He is working in NASCAR and he's able to do it. And, you know, he's able to be himself and still do what he loves to do. I think that's important. And for people to be able to see that and know that they can do it too, I think is, you know, that's a step in the right direction. I think that's super important is just having that, I guess, representation in the sport is important. Was it something that you felt you needed to discuss with teams before you were hired by them? I don't think so. It was more of just, uh, you know, when you're in casual conversation with coworkers, it's, you know, they talk about their home lives and, you know, what they're doing on any weekend that they may have off or if they're not traveling, what they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to just sit by and, and play it off as if, you know, that you're just straight or like you have a girlfriend or whatever that you're looking for a girlfriend. And so I always have found it easier just to 
to be straightforward with everyone right from the beginning. You know, I kind of don't bat an eye and I'll just, I kind of am able to just mention it in conversation and I've never really seen anyone react negatively to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's always just uh, like, oh, okay. And then like, you know, they may ask a couple questions about it, but it's never been like a surprise, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no one's kind of like, you kind of watch people's reaction when you say it and it's always been a good reaction. I've never seen someone kind of like, you know, raise their eyes and be like, Oh God. Yeah. So most of the people you work with then at Stuart Haas know of your sexual orientation just through just knowing. Yeah. Just from talking about, you know, everyday life, you know, and, and I think that at least from everything that I've um, experienced, it's more of if you, as long as you, you do your job and you do it well, no one really cares about, about everything else, you know? And if you're just honest about who you are, then then people will respect you for that. I think, you know, we've come a long way just in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years because I know growing up, you know, I I never really thought even that I would be out in any aspect of life. But, you know, now that I've just kind of, you know, I've seen marriage equality happen and, you know, all these like small but yet monumental changes that we've seen happen over the last couple of years, like, and just mindsets have kind of slowly changed with that too. And, you know, I've really never came across anyone anywhere I've worked so far. You know, I'm in a relatively short career so far, but you know, everyone I've come across so far has been great about it. Like it's just, it's more of the attitude of they don't really care. Right. Like they want to, they want to know the true you and they care more about like you as a person and how you treat them and just that you're, you know, you're, you're a normal person to them and, that you know your sexuality doesn't really define who you are and right. i think that is that's just a really important thing to to realize is that there's so much more to a person than just their sexuality you're the the second guest we've had this year ryan on the nascar nbc podcast who is a, a gay man working uh in a racing industry i had hurley haywood who's a five-time rolex 24 winner who came out last year he's a subject of a documentary this year and so he raced throughout 60s 70s 80s and didn't come out because he felt, you know, as you mentioned, like that the hyper masculinity that normally gets associated with racing or with NASCAR, he felt he couldn't have come out in his era because there was such machismo and potential for intolerance. Do you feel fortunate that you're entering racing in a time, as you mentioned, where society is kind of more accepting, tolerant of wide variety of lifestyles? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think I listened to that podcast. Oh, you did. It was, yeah. it was really good. I enjoyed it. But yeah, he was. Yeah. His time in the sport was definitely a challenging time. You know, I can only imagine. You know, I'd love to just, you know, sit down and talk with him sometime about that. But I definitely feel fortunate to be in the sport at the time that I am and really just happy to be alive in the era that I am, really, because, you know, we have seen such a change in public perception. And, you know, I'm also privileged in the fact that you know, when people first meet me or, you know, first talk to me, they, they don't really realize I'm gay right off the bat. You know, I seem relatively just like a, a normal quote unquote straight person. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I'm not going to deny that that doesn't help too. Um, cause you know, I fit in with everybody else and there are people, you know, in the LGBT community who, you know, don't fit more, in as more well. More flamboyant. Yeah. That and might so, stand out more. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I feel like those people meet more of a challenge than, than I often do because I'm able to just kind of fit in. Um, so I definitely, you know, I guess I do have to acknowledge that, but you know, I'm definitely fortunate and, and lucky just to be 
involved in the sport at the time that I am um, because people, you know, at this point really just, they don't really care. You know, they just want you to be happy and to be yourself. This isn't a coming out, like this is an announcement, you already are out. When did you get comfortable with being able to tell people that and was that b before you had entered racing, it sounds like? Yeah, so I always had played sports throughout high school and, you know, junior high, basically, you know, all through school. And I, I came out to my family in my late sophomore year of high school and then to most of my school in the end of my junior year going into my senior year. So I still had a year left of playing basketball at that point at, at school. And, you know, I had read a lot of coming out stories on outsports.com and that they always kind of gave me the courage to to want to do it myself. Like I would read those and I'm like, hey, you know, this kid did it. I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I finally did take that step forward. And, you know, I had a lot of good friends around me that I was able to talk to all the time that kind of encouraged me that, hey, you can do this and it'll be okay. And so I, I finally did do that while I was still in high school. I kind of had to accept myself first. And once I did that, I didn't really care what anyone thought. I just wanted to be happy. And so I kind of took my happiness into my own hands and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be me. I'm tired of hiding. Um, because... I think people don't realize how much effort it takes to hide. It's exhausting. It may seem like it's just something like, oh, you just don't say it and it's fine. But when you have to constantly think about what you say or what you do or, you know, if you're like, like you say like one little thing and someone may think it means something else. And it's just like you're constantly thinking like that to make sure you don't say the wrong thing to where someone might question whether you're gay or not. And so just hiding gets exhausting because you always got to worry about everything you do and say to make sure that people think that you're quote unquote straight. So you're doing this podcast in part to help those who might be hiding, right. who might be working in NASCAR racing or, or wherever. Right. And that's a, like I said earlier, I think it's just important to kind of have that representation. Like, you know, I don't know if there are any other gay people in NASCAR, you know, I'm sure there are, but they, you know, they may just not be ready to come out or may have you have know, just been afraid to this point, but I think you know once you know one person does it or a couple people do it, and people kind of see that you can be gay and work in the sport, and it's okay. Like you can you can do it. I think that you may see more people come out, and you know hopefully that happens as a result of this. You know I have no idea if it will, but you know I, I think it's important that that those who are you know at the point in their lives that they're willing to talk about it. That I think it's important that we talk about it and have that conversation. Have you met any others? Do you know of any others? Or? Yeah, I mean, I've I have a few friends in the sport who are um, mainly back at the the short track level of mm -hmm. kind of you know people I grew up with. Um, I do know a few, but they aren't exactly out yet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're out to me and some friends, but not to their families or to the public at large. You've seen racing pretty much throughout your life and from a local level now to a national level. Does it seem like it is? more accepting now than say when you were going to dirt races in Ohio as a kid do you, do you think there's more general acceptance I mean I think so just because now that I'm in adulthood and, and kind of you know working in the highest level of the sport I kind of see it a lot more whereas growing up it was more you're told this stereotype of what racing is and what the the fans and the people involved in racing really are and that you know that they aren't accepting and that it's more, you know, quote unquote, like a redneck sport. And, you know, you, you kind of associate that, like the southern redneck roots of racing with homophobia, whether that's true or not, that's how we associate it. 
And, you know, now that I'm, like, kind of really working in the sport, I see past those stereotypes and past those generalizations. And, you know, I've really come to realize that most people within the sport, you know, are just you know, average people. They they don't care. They just they want you to be you. And if you're who you really are to them, then they'll respect you for that. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure you'll have fans who don't always agree but you'll have that in any any sport any aspect of life you're going to have people that that are that way so you know i don't think that that's that's exclusive to racing by any means Um, but i definitely would say that at least in terms of my own perception that racing has advanced quite a bit and whether that is because it actually has or whether it's because i now I'm kind of old enough to see through the stereotypes of it. I'm not quite sure, but I I would like to think that it has for sure. Any instances in which you wouldn't have felt comfortable expressing yourself for who you are, being true to people who you know or don't know? Any instances where the environment wouldn't have felt that way? I mean, I, I think you always kind of think about it, you know, when you're you're at a track or whatever. Say you, you have a, a boyfriend and you're you're at the track together, you know, is it, is it really an environment where you feel like you can walk around holding that person's hand and people aren't going to look at you weird or say something to you? Um, and, you know, I'm kind of at the point in, in my life where I don't really care, you know, I would do it anyway, but, you know, growing up, I definitely always thought about that of like, you know, is that something you can do? Can you have a normal relationship? You know, a guy and a girl can walk around holding hands anywhere and no one bats an eye. But, you know, two guys or two girls walk around holding hands at a race. You know, are, are they going to get looked that weird? And, you know, I think that you will by some people. But, you know, a lot of people are are just going to see you as as people and not judge you for that right off the bat. So if there's an environment like that, Ryan, where you can be at a racetrack and just be who you are and be comfortable with it, that would certainly send a message of inclusion. And you work in PR and marketing, and you know about NASCAR's efforts to try to gain as many new fans as possible. So how important is it for NASCAR maybe to send that message of inclusion to potentially fans who might be gay? I mean, when we had Hurley Haywood on this podcast, and he talked about that he believes there is a large segment of the gay population that would be attracted to racing if they were marketed to or appealed to. Is that important for NASCAR? I think it's super important. You know, you see every other major sports league having pride nights or they'll launch apparel lines or whatever it may be to just kind of show support. And I, I think that that's, that's incredibly important because if you can reach out to to that community and just show them that you care I think that says a lot. And I know to me, it means a lot. And especially if it's NASCAR, that's something, you know, I've grown up, I've loved this sport for all of my life. And so for them to just show an initiative and to show that they care about the cause would, would mean a lot to me. And I know that when you can kind of target the community and, and really just show them that they're welcome, then they'll respond. I know like, with the NBA and the MLB, when they have the Pride Nights, you get a lot of people to show up for that. Like, I've seen plenty of, you know, stories and, and everything on Outsports.com after the fact. Like, when, you know, uh, the Yankees have a Pride Night or the Red Sox or whoever it may be, you know, Outsports tends to try to cover that and kind of show, hey, here's how this went. And, 
you know, it seems that they always have good results. You don't get really any negativity. Like, yeah, you'll get people on Twitter that complain about them having it or whatever, but you're going to get that anywhere. And so I think that, that NASCAR, just showing that initiative can go a long way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we aren't really in a position as a sport to turn away any new fans because we have to keep reintroducing, you know, whether it's people who've been on the track one or two times and haven't come back since and getting those people back or just getting brand new people all together to come back and, and just check out racing. I think that, you know, we, we aren't in a position to turn that away. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to keep fans interested in the sport and keep re like keep introducing new fans because, you know, as a lot of the fan base is older, you know, as they start to kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say it like this, but as they kind of start to die off, if you don't replace those fans with new fans, then you know what do you really have left you kind of you have to keep fans coming back and keep new ones coming in because um, if you don't have fans and you don't really have a, a race to attend so while your experience has been a very positive one maybe that is something you would like to see nascar do more of is to be a little bit more aggressive with initiatives like that yeah and i think they have to kind of be careful with that in a way yeah um because you know there is the the stereotype of what the fan base is, but there's also the the look of yes, you don't want to seem opportunistic. You you don't want to do something just to do it to look like you're cap- trying to capitalize on it. Like you know, if you're you know, whether you're launching a merchandise line like Nike and Under Armour and all those clothing companies do, or you know, whether you're holding some sort of initiative, you, you want it to look genuine and authentic and not like you're just trying to reap profit from it. And so I think that, you know, NASCAR definitely needs to show some initiative in that space and just, I guess, show that they are welcoming to it. But I think what they're really just struggling with at this point is how do we do that and not seem opportunistic and like we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Those other professional sports that you mentioned, Ryan, you know, a lot of them do have those initiatives, but you don't see a lot of other pro sports where athletes are out and can be comfortable with it. I mean, obviously there's the Women's World Cup, the Women's National Team has just won that. There are some players there who are are out, but for male-dominated sports, I don't think you see that certainly nearly as often you are out and are comfortable but you are in kind of more of a mid-level right, position like, i'm not a driver <laughs> i'm not a crew <laughs> yeah. chief you know yeah. in the grand scheme of things i'm i'm a nobody not to but. disparage those childhood dreams about becoming yeah. a driver but yeah i mean and you're not a nobody i mean you ha- you do important work at the team but you're comparatively low profile to a driver or crew chief or a team official or an engineer or somebody like that who's in the headlines have you thought about like could somebody like that be out and be accepted in a prominent position i think so i think a lot of it at this point is if there is a driver who is I th- or a crew chief who is I think that they would likely not come out and come forward just for fear of what it could mean mm-hmm. not necessarily what it would mean um, and just you you don't want to turn away potential sponsors or you know you don't want to you know keep yourself from maybe getting hired by a team by you know divulging something about yourself that makes you so vulnerable like that and I don't think that in, you know, 2019 that that's really something that a driver or crew chief should have to worry about, but I think that whether they should or not, they do. And so if there is one, I think they could come forward and find a lot of acceptance. You know, you're always going to have people that that are going to say negative things, but like I said, you're going to have that in any aspect of life. It's not exclusive to racing. But, you know, I I would love to see 
a driver or a crew chief come forward or, you know, an engineer, whoever that might be, embracing who you are and just being truthful and honest about it, you'll find a lot more acceptance and respect than you ever think you could. You mentioned another uh, important facet to this that I think is interesting. Uh, NASCAR is predicated largely on corporate sponsorship. You work with sponsors. How do you think they would view that because I would presume like most companies, corporations these days are somewhat forward thinking and, and are aware that they're marketing to all different customers. And I would think that probably most of them would be accepting of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that by and large, you know, most of your large companies who are in NASCAR sponsoring in some capacity, I think that they wouldn't, wouldn't really bat an eye at it. Like as long as you aren't bringing a bunch of negative publicity to them, you know, as long as you're just going about it, doing your job, and just, you know, being authentic to who you are, I don't think that they're going to have an issue with it. As long as you're doing your job well, and if that's, you know, if you're a race car driver, as long as you're performing and, and you know, you're a good ambassador for their their brand or their company, whatever it is, then, you know, I, I don't think the sexuality really matters. Right. And I think companies in 2019 have really kind of understood that for the most part. I know... I feel like most of the companies that I've dealt with so far, I don't think they would have a problem with it. I think the way Hurley Haywood sort of explained it was that he didn't think you could do it and be sort of militant, I think is the word he used yeah. about it, and maybe not so in your face, like it sort of had to be, this is why I'm a professional athlete, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm accomplishing, and oh, by the way, this is also me in my personal life. Right, it's, I think it's more, you know, being honest with everyone about who you are, but you aren't being, I guess, uh, I think you put it well. You aren't being like super militant about it. You aren't going out trying to be a a huge agent of change. You're just kind of acknowledging who you are and just being honest about it. And I think that's you know that's even where I'm at. Like I don't want to be this huge trailblazer and try to like go out and you know take on like a huge campaign. But I think it's important to just be open and honest and talk about it because the more people become familiar with it and just see it as an, a part of everyday life, the better things are going to be. So maybe the thrust isn't being, hey, I'm an agent of change. I'm the center of attention. This is my cause. A byproduct of it can be, though, that it does affect change yeah. because people, it becomes more normalized and people kind of become more accepting to it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, you know, I've always been kind of a behind the scenes type of guy. You know, I'm a video guy. <laughs> like my job is to blend in with the camera so people don't really realize what I'm shooting. So then you know, it looks all candid at the end. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it is really just, if you just talk about it and, and just acknowledge it and don't try to spark this huge change right off the bat, but just, you know, kind of just acknowledging it and having that discussion goes a long way. Because once people realize that, hey, I know this guy, he's just a normal guy who works in racing and he happens to be gay and he's just like all the rest of us. Right. And I think that 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 realization from your peers is is what kind of really helps out with acceptance is because yeah. once they realize that you know you're just you're just like all the rest of us like that that goes a long way ryan i really appreciate your time i appreciate the conversation thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me Nate. i appreciate it thanks again to ryan hines and if you're interested in hearing more perspective on the topic we referenced that hurley haywood was a guest on the nascar and nbc podcast this year that was back in April, if you want to find that episode, in which the five-time winner of the Rolex 24 talked about his decision to come out last year after keeping his sexuality a secret during a driving career of more than three decades. 
We'll be back with another new episode of the NASCAR NBC podcast next week. It'll be pegged to the second iRacing broadcast on NASCAR America. That is coming on Thursday, August 29th at 5 p.m. on NBCSN, the first iRacing all-star race that we broadcast on NASCAR America last month was extremely well-received, and I think mostly because it felt like an authentic race broadcast by Chris Devota, A.J. Elmendinger, Parker Kligerman, Steve Letarte, and Jeff Burton. They did a great job with it. And for next week's podcast, I spoke with two members of that iRacing broadcast team, Parker Kligerman and Steve Letarte, both of whom also own iRacing teams in the Peak Series. I admittedly don't know as much as I should about NASCAR and eSports and iRacing, so this was an illuminating set of conversations with two guys who do know a lot, and hopefully you'll enjoy learning as much as I did. After that, we've got a new series of playoff podcasts planned for the NASCAR NBC podcast. If you liked and miss Monday Morning Donuts, as I certainly have and do, I think you'll like what we'll be adding over the final 10 races of the 2019 season here. As always, you can find all that NASCAR and NBC podcast content wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. If you like what you're hearing, please spread the word, whether it's on social media or with ratings and reviews in the apps. Those really help us out, and I appreciated all the kind words we got on the Bristol August 1999 retrospective last week. And any feedback that you have, send to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.